1: Hey, everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Thank you, Jonathan. Now joining the show with myself, Matthew Collar, and ESPN's Courtney Cronin is from ESPN, Bill Barnwell. And uh, Bill, I'm told that we have Bagel Bite, issues to work out here before we get into football
0: <laughs> what's your courtney's take on bagel bites okay go ahead Courtney. it's a
2: snack bill it's not frozen pizza frozen mm. pizza is red baron it's jacks it's DiGiorno. it's a lot of other things like if you were to tell me freschetta those are like the stouffer's individual things are pe- mm-hmm. frozen pizza you're wrong and i will hang up on you that is a oh. poor take we need him to talk football it's fine but i just wanted to get this out of the way
0: Oh, okay. Does Courtney have access to the, the, the hang-up ability? Uh, no, this, I've i pulled think. the phone, pulled no the phone away from me because he was afraid
2: her. that was going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say very quickly. Bagel Bites, as a child, literally the slogan is, you can eat pizza anytime. Mm. You can eat pizza in the morning. Do you know how badly I wanted to eat pizza every morning? And as an adult, I don't do it, but I should. I think Bagel Bites are the perfect Meal. Not just a snack. A meal. Hmm. I have to
1: side with the Bagel Bites being a pizza and French bread being a pizza as well. You guys are both wrong, but it's fine. We can talk football because Uh, I
2: don't want
1: to get upset. Okay, football. (laughs) Bill, at our website, scoreorth.com, I wrote about the Vikings' offense and how it compares to the last 20 teams that played in the Super Bowl. It compares pretty favorably. That doesn't mean they can make the Super Bowl, but... It's kind of surprising in the Mike Zimmer era to see an offense this explosive. What has been your take on how the Vikings offense has elevated to being one of the best in the NFL?
0: I think we found a great balance here, right? I mean, obviously, uh, the play-action usage has been fantastic. That's been sort of, it seems like, the core of what they've been doing well on offense. The running game was effective earlier in the year. It's still been effective, but I think we're seeing more Kirk Cousins in the mix. There's no more of those. Uh, what was it, the, the, the ten attempt game in week one against the Falcons. We haven't seen that. He's shouldered a bigger portion of the workload than he did earlier in the season. and I just think I've seen a, a team that you know, the offensive line's playing better uh, I, I think than it has in years past, of course. Um I, I think this is a a a championship caliber offense, especially in context with the defense. If this were the you know if this were the Chiefs and it was the Chiefs defense with this offense, could they win a Super Bowl? plausibly, but I think it'd be pretty tough. I think there's a much better chance with this combination of offense and defense in Minnesota.
2: So they go into Dallas against a very, very good run defense, and they still find ways to utilize Dalvin cook in the run game, whether it's Mm -hmm. effectively utilizing your screen game to generate, um, you know, your yards that way. So he has 183 yards from scrimmage on Sunday. Um, And you look at the other sideline and Ezekiel Elliott barely could muster up three yards per touch. Is this the type of formula that Minnesota has to use down the stretch? Despite how good Kirk Cousins is playing right now, despite having two very good wide receivers, and they should get Adam Thielen back eventually, can mm-hmm. this can this formula offensively beat the likes of a Seattle, go on the road and beat the Chargers, and potentially beat that Green Bay team, Whereas we were discussing before the break, that might be the game that decides a division if Minnesota does lose at home and Green Bay wins?
0: I think absolutely will be the game that ends up deciding the division, and and I don't, I don't know if there has to be a formula. You know, I I, I don't think there has to be like a number. You know, I, I don't I don't buy those. Oh, you run the ball twenty five times, you win. I think that's just cause and effect. I, I do think obviously this is a team that, independent of any any win state, they want to run the football. They're going to run the football a ton, and I think it is the formula they're going to rely upon. I, I think they could still be more pass heavy. I, I still think they could throw the ball more frequently on earlier downs i think they could throw the ball earlier in games not have to set up the play action pass i think they've already set it up with how they run the ball in, in in prior weeks um i think they are going to run the ball no matter what though so i think it's it's sort of academic you know where i feel like even if i think they could throw the ball a ton and, and win games that way i really don't think mike zimmer is ever going to let it get to that point
1: Talking with Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Well, let's talk about Delvin Cook here, Bill, because uh, as an analytics enthusiast, I Mm -hmm. believe in what the numbers find about running back value and how replaceable running backs are and how you shouldn't pay them gobs of money generally and you probably shouldn't spend high draft picks on them either. But then I watched Delvin Cook break every Mm -hmm. tackle and I think, well, okay, maybe there are exceptions to every rule. How are you viewing what someone like Delvin Cook, uh, who is averaging over 10 yards a reception or someone like Christian McCaffrey is doing uh, in comparison to maybe the way we think as analytics fans of the running back position?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at history and it says, you know, you have guys who are going to look great for a stretch of time. It's just so difficult to sustain that. Two guys who come to mind for me um, who, who were kind of seen as, okay, this guy transcends the running back conundrum. He's not a great running back. He's a great player, and you pay him like a great player. Three guys come to mind, actually. Le'Veon Bell, who struggled a lot in New York, and I, obviously everyone's struggling in New York. You don't, so I can't even pick on him specifically, but look at this oh Elliott, a guy whose numbers are not that great this year who did average 2.4 yards per carry yesterday or on, on Monday can say very good or sorry, on Sunday, excuse me, can a very good Vikings defense, but with not a guy who was able to be a transcendent back in that game, and it's been kind of ordinary uh, this season. And then Todd Gurley was sort of the picture of, Oh, this guy is the ultimate run, run receiving weapon. He's so good at so many different things. Rams have to pay him. That's he's a part-time player at this point, And the Rams are happy with that. Uh, that contract has been an absolute disaster. So for Dalvin cook, I think if you could guarantee you would get this Dalvin Cook for the next four years, yeah, pay that guy 100% for sure. I just think given his injury history uh, and given how difficult it is for even the most talented backs to stay playing at a high level year after year, um, I would be skeptical.
2: Okay, so in Week 10, there were 11 games decided by one possession or less, which is the most that we've seen in any season. A lot of that happening in the NFC, as we saw in Dallas and a number of other places. What does this say, mm-hmm. I guess, about the way that the NFC is trending? Because we were talking about this at the top of the show. When you look at power rankings, when you look at the favorites in the NFC right now, where you slate the Vikings in there— um, it feels like for a team like Dallas, their only path to the playoffs is through the NFC East. And then you have guys like Philadelphia, Carolina, the Rams, who are just barely hanging on. How does this thing shake out the next few weeks? And I guess, like, what is that? What What's the what's going to break this one way or the other for teams in the NFC? Mm.
0: It just feels like a total mishmash, right? You know, it feels like it could go in so many different directions. Even if you look at uh, ESPN's Football Power Index for the NFC North, Every division, pretty much, nobody's a, a significant favorite. I think the biggest favorite right now, uh the Saints are at 91%, I should say, excuse me, but the Cowboys are 54.2%. They're the favorites to win the NFC East. The Packers, 67.7% right now, obviously. I think Vikings fans might, you know, think they have a much better shot than that. Um, in the NFC West, after last night, the Niners, 67.4% to win the West. I mean, so many of these divisions go in so many different ways. Uh, so... You know, I, I think it's going to be about who stays healthiest, right? I think that always seems to be the biggest thing in terms of figuring out who's going to play well in the second half of the season. And there are, you know, there are occasions where Nick Foles does come in and and sort of elevate his game in the playoffs and uh, wins a couple of games close the, towards the end of the season as he did last year. But I just think there's no, there's very little separating these teams. They're all capable of having a stinker like the Packers had against the Chargers a couple of weeks ago, like the Saints had on uh, Sunday against the Falcons. I mean, there are so many just the, the, every every team has a flaw every team doesn't have that level of consistency that makes me think oh they stand out above the rest of the pack so uh, i really do think it's going to just gonna be about who stays healthy and to be who gets lucky here at the uh, final few games of the year bill
1: uh, when i was watching that game last night i couldn't help but think about the 49ers jimmy garoppolo and russell wilson and how they kind of represent two different types of successful quarterbacks in the nfl today where you have your mm-hmm. kirk cousins and jimmy garoppolo who i think i think of as robo quarterbacks where y- mm-hmm. you draw it up They'll do it exactly how you ask them to do it, but they're not going to pull the ball down and run for 20 yards. And Russell Wilson is, if you draw it up and it's a terrible play call, he might just get you 20 yards because he's Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And the number of Russell Wilson-like quarterbacks is growing in the NFL with, obviously, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. You know who they all are. I'm curious about what you think of the future of the quarterback position, if... All of a sudden, now with sort of the explosion of these guys having so much success, like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson, I mean, do we see more quarterbacks now being valued differently, even if they're not the best thrower of the football necessarily, uh, because they're able to extend and, and make plays where there aren't any? And I guess the other part of that question is just, when we get in the playoffs, are those guys going to win instead of the robo-quarterbacks? Because I feel like we saw that a little bit with Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, where he just couldn't take it to another level that he needed to do to beat the Patriots.
0: I mean, the only example I would say is, I think, about Nick Foltz. You know, a guy who I think we'd characterize as more of a robo-quarterback than a a guy who was going to make a lot of big plays on his own, and they won the Super Bowl. And that, that might have been an outlier, but that is an example. I think you can win with either style of quarterback if the situation is right. But I think to your point, there are a fair amount of coaches. Not everyone, by all means, but there are coaches who don't want to coach a guy like a Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson because you have to uproot what you do. They want someone who is going to play in in the scheme they're comfortable uh, calling, who's going to play, you know, sort of as a quarterback who's going to do exactly what they want you to do and very little more. And there are always going to be guys who can do that. There's always going to be, it's always going to be easier to find those guys than it is to find someone like a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes who can be a transcendent player. Um, So I I think it's going to be a mix. I think we're going to have smarter coaches and coaches coming up through the high school and college ranks who are more comfortable with mobile quarterbacks and uh, guys who are going to improvise more. I think we're going to see more of that in the decades to come. But I think over the next decade, over the next 15 years, I think it really is going to be more about just a mix. Uh, I think it will be maybe leaning slightly more towards mobile quarterbacks than we had in years past. But I just think there are a lot of unimaginative bland boring coaches out there and uh there are some guys of course who are willing to change their scheme and uh they tend to have more success than other coaches but it's only so many of those guys too
2: so speaking of mobile quarterbacks there's a big game coming up in week 11 in baltimore between the ravens Mm -hmm. and the texans um very much looking forward to seeing lamar jackson and deshaun watson go head-to-head here uh give or take if you want to call it that and there's a lot of ways that you could look at this game, but the, way, the direction I want to take this with you, Bill, if you're thinking about most likely to win a Super Bowl or most likely to mm-hmm. lead a game-winning drive, um, you can consider whatever you want with that, the Texans defense and kind of where it's at and just what the Ravens have been able to do both offensively and defensively. Who would you give the upper hand to uh, in, the, in the context of most likely to win a Super Bowl and most likely to potentially lead that game-winning drive?
0: I think I'd still say Deshaun Watson, and I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's he's a better MVP candidate to me than Deshaun Watson, just because Deshaun Watson's had a couple of pretty mediocre games. He seems to have a couple of games a year where he just where the offense just doesn't work. Uh, it's not even against a good defense. It was Carolina, I think, in Jacksonville this year, and he can't really figure out what happened. But then he's great the other you know, you know eighty five ninety percent of the time. But I think if I want that one drive or that one big game, I just think Deshaun Watson is still a better passer than Lamar Jackson. I think obviously, Lamar Jackson's a better runner then Sean Watson in the total package, the combination of things. I just think I want the guy who can lead that drive against the Saints. If you guys remember from week one, that game where drive where they actually scored too quickly in hindsight but two long plays downfield when everybody in the stadium knew they had to pass downfield. But Sean Watson was able to do that. I think Lamar Jackson is capable of that. But we just haven't seen him called upon to do that all that frequently so far at the NFL level. So I think given those circumstances, I'd rather go with Sean Watson, but I think they're both very, very, very fantastic football players.
1: Okay, last thing for you, Bill. I'm going to give you $110. You have to put 50 <laughs> on an AFC team, 50 on an NFC team for the Super Bowl, and 10 on a frozen pizza. One and only frozen pizza. <laughs> give me your picks.
0: All right, so the frozen pizza... Are, are, are we are we counting bagel bites as an option? Well, you are. So yes, you're I making am? the pick, not Courtney. Okay, I, I think I got to go with the cheese and pepperoni bagel bites. I mean, I'm sure we have some money left over. I don't think it's ten dollars pizza. Oh, you could buy a guy. lot of bagel. You bites can probably buy bucks. like ten
2: boxes of yep. bagel bites. <laughs> They're, They're on
0: boxes. sale. We are. We're, we're we're having a bagel bite party. Courtney is not invited. Unfortunately <laughs> for her. Fine um, with me. $50 on the NFC, $50 on the AFC. Are we talking about at their current odds or just everyone has the same odds? Just,
1: just everyone has the same odds, just who your picks would be at this moment.
0: Who my picks would be at this point? I will go with the England Patriots. I think the defense is too good. I think the offense is going to get better when they get Isaiah Wynn and then kill Harry back from injury. So I'd go Patriots in the AFC. NFC is a bit of a mess. I think I would still go with the Saints, mm-hmm. but I think – I feel I would I would, if you gave if you gave me any two teams and I could take the field otherwise, I think I would take the field over any two teams if you wanted to choose two teams at the top of the NFC.
1: Yeah. It's gonna be really fun to watch as we go down the stretch here and the Vikings being in the mix, it will be interesting for us. Bill, always great to have you, man. Great pizza takes, really appreciate you uh coming on. <laughs> and we'll do it again soon sometime, man. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Bill. Bill Barnwell there from ESPN. I'm sorry, the it's bagel fine. bite no, it's is a form of pizza.
2: We should put a poll
1: mm, out right. there on scorenorth.com. Oh, go I'm going to put it out there right now.
2: Uh, because we did this with, you did this with Cheetos, and you actually got the Cheeto himself, the Chester? Chester, Chester, Chester Cheetah, Cheeto, yeah. He
1: owned my wife. Um, Wait.
2: That sounds terrible. Online.
1: I'm yeah. got a tweet.
2: Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, you got him to respond, so we should at least be able to get a nice pool to <laughs> she work with here. thought
1: Cheetos were a chip, and Chester Cheetah came in and said, no, no.
2: What did he no, say exactly? Not?
1: He said, we a snack. <laughs>
2: okay yes no i think that that's a good that's a good way to um transition the conversation here
1: um okay i'm i'm putting it out there right now our bagel bites a frozen pizza is the way i put it on my twitter at matthew collar so go vote there Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can get a bagel bite mascot to weigh in uh we'll take a break we'll come back we got alex boone coming up at three o'clock no wait we don't have to take a break sorry old clock my mistake jonathan um scared me there yeah i know so let's react to what bill barnwell said uh, I had the Michael Scott GIF in my head, or GIF, depending, because you just want to fight everything. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but when he said Patriots, I just went like, No, no, no! Like, d- is it going to happen again?
2: Probably. Is it? Because the Chiefs six six and four record right now. Their defense is losing them games. Patrick Mahomes can do everything he wants. He'll stay in the MVP conversation for as long as he continues to set these NFL records, you know, passer records for first 25 games. He's reached like four of them. Um, and he, you know, comes back, throws for over 440 yards and they still lose. Um, I worry about the Chiefs defense at this point in the season and wondering, if are they going to be the major letdown? Going into, you know, the, the, the AFC title game, like they were last year. Granted, it was a penalty. Yes, I understand. But like, is it going to be worse than that this year? I, I wonder about the Ravens too. Can this be sustainable? Can they be a team that takes down New England in one of, you know, one of the postseason rounds? What about the Texans? Deshaun Watson's doing everything. Is that, can that defense finally help them out? They have like no bodies in their secondary. I don't know what's going on down there. So, I mean, that, that to me, when I'm looking at like the top four teams, in the AFC and wondering who's going to catch up with the Patriots, I just have a hard time believing um, that the way that that defense is playing, the way Stefan Gilmore is playing. I mean, if you want to put somebody in like the the dark horse candidate, talk for defensive player of the year, even move him into MVP caliber conversation, I would consider him in there just as much as Minkovitz, Patrick, Aaron Donald, any of those guys. But um, I have a hard time believing that the New England Patriots aren't going to be the favorite at the end of the year. So I'm looking at just... The and num- it's not Brady, just to let you know. It's not Brady. It's not just Brady. He's only played okay Yeah, he's played very... Year. It's, it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers in a way, right? Like, think about what Aaron Rodgers has done. His numbers are nowhere near where they've been 10 games into the season, or 10 weeks into the season, in previous years. I think he has his highest passer rating in three years, so that's great. But look at all the help he's getting from Aaron Jones. Look at the help he's getting from his defense. I mean, that's kind of mirroring a little bit of what's happening in New England with Brady.
1: I saw Zadarius Smith had 12 pressures in the game against Carolina. He is defensive MVP caliber. Um, When I look at the offensive side, which is generally more predictive than the defensive side for which teams go deep in the playoffs, and that makes sense, right? If your defense doesn't play that well, you go against another great quarterback, you need to be able to outscore them. And that's why I would have more confidence in the Vikings than I've had in a very long time, that they could actually go somewhere. Kansas City and Baltimore are number 2 and 3 in expected points added, and then Houston is number 5. So they're all ahead of... The New England Patriots, by a lot, the Patriots are only 17th. They can't run the ball at all. They let Josh Gordon go, and Mohamed Sanu is an okay receiver to fill in, but he's not Josh Gordon, and he's not Antonio Brown, who they briefly had, and would have been a a huge asset for them. I don't know if Rob Gronkowski is coming back, but let's assume that he's not. Right? Let's assume that he's not. I don't know if they can go through the playoffs and win, and I, I look at their defense, and I have to say... This is the year of who did you play, right? Like schedule wise, how many wins against good teams? How did you perform against the good teams? Because the bad teams are just a flat out atrocity. They're not just regular bad; they're worse than ever. And for New England, I mean, maybe their Pittsburgh win early in the season looks better now since Pittsburgh's gotten it together. Aside from that, though, they didn't. That was when uh, Roethlisberger got hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So they would be playing uh, this year. Wins Miami. The Jets, the Bills, yeah. Washington, the Giants, the Jets again, Cleveland. That's where they got this amazing
2: yeah. defensive record. The Bills' win might be their best win to date, or at least I guess their most impressive. Yeah, 16, and they won 16-10, yeah.
1: and Josh Allen is bad. And then they go against a team with a real offense and give up 37 points, and, and seven of that is on a fumble return for touchdown, so let's just say 30 points. I'm not entirely convinced that... They're not going to get exposed down the stretch a little yeah, bit for I mean, having a much more average defense when sure. they play Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City in one stretch.
2: Yeah, no, that's in, in, yeah, Kansas City and Texans in there too. Like, I mean, they've got, they go two, they have three of those, well, three of their last six, three of their next six are on the road Eagles, Texans, Bengals. But, I mean, you, you, you see where this thing could fall for them. I mean, you could, you could feasibly lose to this Eagles team. They're not bad. They're just kind of hanging out out there in like 7th to 8th spot NFC purgatory where they're relying on what happens ahead of them uh, in order to help their own playoff standings. But, you know, I don't count the Texans out. I do not count the Cowboys team out. I think the Cowboys could very easily be a playoff team. It just might have to go the way of the NFC East to win it. But this Patriots team, I don't know. I mean, I think that when you talk about Mohamed Sanu, um and like kind of what he's, it's amazing how quickly when they pick up guys off the street or, you know, if they pick up guys via trade, whatever it is, how quickly they can become part of that scheme. I think that he, I know he's not Josh Gordon. I know he's not Antonio Brown, but he's has become a very quick part of what they're doing offensively.
1: You ready for the results of the bagel bite? conversation right now sure. we got 200 votes already Whoa, and the
2: early results are, nuts. are
1: leaning in your direction thank you that 63 percent are saying a bagel bite is not a frozen pizza 37 percent saying that it is a frozen pizza and some are saying no sorry that's just a snack
2: i'm looking at your mentions right now um lots of people respond yes it's science excuse me jeff russo <laughs> who are you um like, what my god no thank you to that person Um, another
1: controversy food related
2: yeah no Um, but they're elite
1: to your to your point though that you were talking about um, with Seattle and what they have now weren't you
2: yeah eventually (laughs) we can get back to the football
1: Uh, I just wanted to mention the Josh Gordon thing is like he's the weirdest player ever I mean he's he's suspended a bunch of times for stuff that is just not super serious with alcohol and weed, and like really, this is why this guy's career is being ruined. I mean, ruined? but
2: it's also a, like he's been in like in that treatment and addiction and things sure. like that. Like it does it, it does sound quite serious if I'm looking at it that way.
1: Um, I mean, it no, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that he's fine. I'm saying that like being suspended for that is really shocking. The amount of suspensions that he got, considering other people get four-game suspensions for being like a domestic abuser. Like, really? Is this what we're doing I with think. It, don't, Josh don't you think
2: they were looking at it kind of as at the pattern, though? Because it's literally everywhere. Yes, and like, yes. the NFL takes their substance abuse policy probably more seriously than any of their other policies. Yes. And whether you like that or not. I guess
1: I'm saying that it's shocking how many games he's missed because of it and yeah. not and something how, and how more he's serious. He's still in the league.
2: That's my thing. It's like this keeps happening and he's still in the league. So he goes
1: to New England, and we all expect, oh, he's just going to dominate in New England. And, of course, they'll turn him around, and then he'll have a Hall of Fame career, right? Because it's New England, and that'd be classic. And then he gets injured, and they release him, kind of out of nowhere. Like, what? Wait, why? Why? And then he goes to Seattle, makes some plays last night. He's a great receiver. It it changes the dynamic of Seattle's receiving court if the guy stays in the lineup for even what the Vikings are going to face in a couple of weeks. Because DK Metcalf, I think you can slow him down. Tyler Lockett, you can't. And it said, uh, the reports came out today that he's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett, you cannot slow down. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And now you add another one who torched the Vikings a little bit last year. That's a little bit of a game changer there, and it's such a bizarre move that I, I want to keep a close eye on what happens with Josh Gordon. If he's in that lineup, they're great. If he isn't, I think they have. And they've a, got a, like a two weakness. passing options, right. Yeah, I
2: maybe mean, he lost. What was the name of that tight end that he lost, like in week seven?
1: Yes, there was a tight end, yeah. and, and they, I'm blanking on it
2: they have had so many injuries to overcome in Seattle. And I think that that's the type of thing that's getting, like Bill is talking about the very simple principle of staying healthy down the stretch and how that's going to determine who goes where in the NFC. Um, they cannot afford to lose any more of their receiving options because Russell Wilson has already so much of a load on him this year that that's like, that could be the dagger right there. But like they're kind of in Vikings territory with that. But even the Vikings were able to compensate for not having Adam Thielen in, in you know, executing some other options in the pass game with Kyle Rudolph, things like that. But... Um, I don't know if they have any running backs as dynamic enough to to shoulder on that load just the way that Dalvin Cook has recently. So, I mean, that is something to keep an eye on.
1: Let's talk about the Vikings' offensive line play with Alex Boone, along with what it's like to play in a Seattle-San Francisco game. Because I think that one was a classic last night. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar